Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a Geeksplained Extra Series. I can't, I can't sustain that voice. <laughs> uh, welcome back to a Geeksplained Extra Series that we are calling Into the Snyderverse, where with each episode we make our way movie by movie through the catalog of the DC Extended Universe, Cinematic Movie Franchise Universe catalog of films i am your (laughs) (laughs) i am your host eric azana and i am joined by my very special co-host here first from the scripts and screams podcast we have chris carter all right hello everybody (laughs) (laughs) and from the artistic liberties podcast we also have andrew kincaid my man (laughs) (laughs) it never gets old it never gets old um and this episode if you couldn't already tell we are going to be putting a big old spotlight some might say from a lighthouse on 2018's (laughs) aquaman directed by james wan written by david leslie johnson mcgoldrick yes that's his full name as well as will beal now This film, in the pantheon of DC films, in in this specific franchise, I have, like, these little, like, catch-alls with these films. Like, Man of Steel is, like, the one that started it all. Wonder Woman, the good one. We have Justice League. (laughs) That one. And then with (laughs) Aquaman, I have the pretty one. This film was touted for its visual effects. This film made a whole gosh darn lot of money. Wait for that with Chris's Money Corner coming soon. Cha-ching! Cha-ching! That's the one. Um, And for me, what this film really needed to be, what we needed from this film, with it being the first film coming out of Justice League, is we needed this film to be Iron Man 3. Now, say what you will about Iron Man 3 as a film... But what it did was it showed how the events of bringing everyone together in the first Avengers film really affected Iron Man, really affected Tony Stark, and changed not just his view of like the world, but how he kind of views himself. And with this film, what we got was a weird mishmash blend between Thor the Dark World and Black Panther. And that's... There you That's, I know, I know. Black, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, the Black Panther is Andrew's favorite MCU movie. And even making that comparison, we're going to go fight out in the parking lot when, you know, we're socially allowed to. We'll be all in masks, in our hazmat suits. We'll be socially distanced fighting in the parking lot. We'll sell tickets. We'll even do like an after game show in the next series between <laughs> our podcasts. Um, but honestly, this film, I remember seeing this for the first time um, last year. And this, unlike all of the films prior, I did not see this film in theaters. And 
for a number of reasons, this film just didn't do it for me in the trailers. I wasn't, I already wasn't in love with Jason Momoa's uh, portrayal of Aquaman in Justice League, and I was like, oh, we're gonna get more of that. Wonderful. Um, I did like the suit that they showed off in the trailer, and we will talk about that suit as we go along. And all the trailers made it look very pretty, very pretty. And so I held off. And as the review started to come in, I felt better and better about my decision to hold off. Um, and I watched it for the first time last year. I redboxed it. So I still spent money on it. Shame on me. Um, I went and watched it. And I could not remember a time when I wanted a movie to end so badly while watching it at home and thinking to myself, I can just pause this. I can pause this <laughs> I can just walk and away. just walk away <laughs> from it. Leave. <laughs> but then in the back of my mind, it was, but then you'll have to come back because you have to finish this movie. You need to power through so that you can get through this. And I just remember not liking this film, uh, but not as much as my partner, Sammy, who we have talked about previously on this podcast. Um, she puts up with a lot. She puts up with me every single day of our lives. But <laughs> I have never seen Sammy hate a movie so openly as I saw her during the events of watching this movie. She was tearing it down. This is stupid. Why is she saying this? Who is that person? I don't care about this. Why are they here? Their chemistry sucks all across the board from pillar to post, the opening credits all the way to the end. And so it made a very big impression on me, which I can't say about last episode. So this film does beat out Justice League in that regard. Now, Andrew, do you remember the first time you watched this movie and how it made you feel? Last night, I do remember. Hey! <laughs> Last night was the first time I've seen this garbage fire. And like how I felt, this movie wasn't supposed to, like, I'm so sick and tired of watching these movies that are making me angry. Every single one of these movies, every single one has had a moment where I just get angry. Great. Wonder Woman at least had the decency of like doing it right away and just getting it out there. This fucking movie is like a two and a half hour. It is two and a half hours. It is two hours and 30 minutes. It is like an hour too long, first of all. And then everything else about it just makes me so angry. Like everything. And like from from the very beginning to the very end, I'm just like, wow. Wow, this made a billion dollars? This made a billion dollars? Like the yeah. word of mouth made made it made it so people went to go see this? And like, wow. Wow, this movie. I I did not think I would have this much emotional reaction from Aquaman. I was literally <laughs> expecting my girlfriend to come out of the bedroom and be like, Oh, how was it? It was just like, Yeah, it was all right. It was dumb. It was fine. It was okay. It was cheesy. <laughs> it was stupid, but it was fine. Like it's it's not bad. It's just, it's it's just not a good tie. I'm but this is literally just like, wow, this is a monster of a mess and does not work in any fashion. And that's how I feel about this garbage fire. Now, to to your point about this, just as a quick side note, the Transformers movies also made over a billion dollars. 
True. And they are, I would say, comparable when it comes to quality to Aquaman. I completely agree. Chris, do you remember the first time you watched this movie and how it made you feel? Roughly, yeah. Um, we were living, we had just got to California maybe a year after that. And I'm pretty sure it was me, Jessica, and Dustin went to go see it. Um, and I, I'll, I'll throw them a line real quick. I don't think anybody wanted to see it as bad as <laughs> I wanted to see it. So I'll say that. So I'll say that. Well, because you're a big um, James Wan fan. It's funny. As you say that, I'm literally thinking some of the positives and, and I think damage control, right? And we'll get into it much later, but James Wan has been really good for Warner Brothers. He mm-hmm. did Conjuring's, um, he's had his hand in the, the Conjuring universe. Well, it's funny. It's a horror universe, which you don't necessarily think about, you know, Universal really dropped the ball on that. But um, the Conjuring universe is a, is a way to succeed in creating a universe where, Obviously, we talked about last episode where the DC kind of failed and Zack Snyder's kind of failed mm. quite spectacularly at that. But I will say that, yes, I'm a huge James Wan fan. I mean, some of the horror things that he's done, he's really kind of breathed life in the horror genre, which, by the way, I think the best part, and we'll get into it later, of this film is the only real horror part of it when they're on the ship and they go, I believe, to the deep. The deep to me was my favorite part. But um, French. I, I remember... I remember leaving. Don't pretend like you care enough to correct him. That's fair. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but the, I wasn't super. When I, leaving, it didn't. Again, I'm kind of thinking, why does this movie exist? Like, I understand mm. you to propagate the character, to move it forward in their universe. But I mean, like you said, Eric, I, we had already seen Momoa's take on Aquaman. And I don't know shit about the comics. I just know I didn't like him as Aquaman. It was, and again, going back to what you said way back when we first saw it, you called him Aqua Bro before you know all the memes came out. But yeah, but yeah, no, it was it was it wasn't great, and it was very pretty, like you said. But again, we'll get into that later. I did have hopes for it. I like James Wan as a director. Mm-hmm. I think the more things he's he's kind of Warner Brothers' golden child because really he hasn't missed. And even this, for all the shit we're talking about it, like you said, Andrew, it made $1.1 billion. So if I think as the executives would say, it doesn't matter if you liked it, you still paid to see it. Or exactly. enough people paid to see it that it made $1.1 billion. So it's a, it's a hard movie to gauge on certain things. But as creatives, um, we will take a specific angle. And I think all of us are kind of in the same boat when it comes to that and less about you know the bottom line finances part of it except for chris's money corner coming soon but no this film honestly it had a lot riding on it because of how bad justice league was this was our next movie out the gate it was the following year and this had a lot, you know, it had a lot on its shoulders. This film had to not just feature a good Aquaman story, but it also had to get us to stop thinking about Justice League. Which, I mean, walking out of the theater got me to not think about Justice League. So it already had that in the bag. <laughs> so what it really needed to do is tell a good, compelling Aquaman origin story. And this, for me, is one of the things that I will say I liked in that the opening I think is very strong. 
I think the uh, Tom and Atlanta um, romance thing is way more interesting to me than the premise of this movie. I think that the way that they set this up as this lighthouse keeper who finds the queen of Atlantis washed up on his shore, nurses her to health. The two of them learn about each other, about each other's cultures, and then they have a child and she is forced to abandon that child because the abusive ass husband who is betrothed to her in Atlantis has called her back. Um, I think it's a really strong premise, and I was way more interested in that, especially with, you know, you've got uh, Tamura Morrison as Tom Curry and Nicole Kidman as Atlanta. I was like, okay, okay, I like this. And then you brought in <laughs> my boy Yaya Abdul-Mateen II as Black Manta. I really enjoy him as Black Manta with the nonsensical shit that he's given in this film. And overall, like, if you just looked at this on paper, this movie has a great cast. Like, we have Yaya Abdul-Mateen, uh, Nicole Kidman, Tamara Morrison, Patrick Wilson, who is a good actor and has worked with James Wan on numerous uh, occasions, yeah. including throughout the yeah. Conjuring franchise. We've got Willem Dafoe. We've got Dolph Lundgren in this film. We have all of these people who you really could do something with. And for some reason, for me, when it comes to this film, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of flash and little substance. Chris, do you have any uh, any thoughts, any insight on the cast? Any anyone as again someone who doesn't um, who doesn't have any kind of predispositions when it comes to these characters? Yeah. How did you feel how they were presented, just on a casting and a performance level? See, the, there's a there's uh, there's an issue I have with that. Uh, by the way, I like that you said I'm, I don't want to butcher his name. Is it Yaha Abdul? I'm just gonna call him Black Manta, just so that <laughs> one, that way I don't destroy how I pronounce it. He's incredible. Um, every scene that he's in, his, the writing for the the writing is actually not super terrible for him. I believe him in a lot of his roles. I think that he's the most interesting character and the best, arguably one of the best actors in that. Agreed. Amber Heard to me. Uh, I forgot about Amber Heard. You know, I don't. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> you know, we man. we talked then, last episode about the problematic uh, stuff with Ezra Miller. Mara, Amber Heard is a whole nother thing. But sorry, go on. Yeah. Well. Well, no, that's kind of that's kind of my point. And and don't get me started on the red hair. Jessica hates that because it's oh. so red. It's like. They made her Little Mermaid red. She had said last night, and not K-pop natural. red. And yeah, so so that was the big part of it. And I and I don't mind the cast at all. The problem, the biggest problem I have is the way that the cast is presented. It looks like there's a CG filter. I understand the complications of them shooting some of the big set pieces underwater, some of the big dialogue pieces underwater. But Patrick Wilson looks nothing like. He looks like a video game <laughs> so version true. of yeah. himself. And yeah. it's like, it's, like yeah. it's horrible. And I just couldn't get past that. Dolph Lundgren, same thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, William Defoe for the most of part of it, same thing. So when they're underwater, to me, that takes away from the actor's ability to really emote physically. It's it's like this, it turns into a CGI cutscene, And I have a real problem with that. So, you know, the big part we get is Amber and Jason out of, of you know, the water and, and, and running around. And... 
add, you know, their chemistry is horrible. I've never seen a worse it's so chemistry bad. on camera. Than, it's like, so bad. Off, yeah, it feels so forced, and it's just, it's just. You're right, Patrick Wilson. I enjoy his. I enjoy him a lot. William Defoe is incredible. Um, Nicole Kidman, Dolph Lundgren, uh, yeah, Black Manta. All these people are great. <laughs> When they're not in the water, when they're in the water, it just devalues and cheapens their ability to really kind of emote and play a specific character and play it seriously. It's it becomes a CGI cutscene. And now, now that's, two that's two quick questions. Two quick questions for you, Chris. Um, first off, comparing chemistry and lack thereof between this and your favorite actor Joel Kinnaman and Cara Delevingne in uh, Suicide Squad, <laughs> buy or sell? Which one's better? Which one's worse, and why uh, is it Joel yeah. Kinnaman? I'm going all in in this circumstance with uh, Jason and Amber because at least Jason is <laughs> is funny. I mean, he knows he's funny; he's leaning into it. But but Joel Kinnaman, when he come, when he plays serious, he just looks like an asshole. Like he's not. He, I don't believe him. And then and then the, the you know Kara, she's what she's got this look on her face the whole time. It's it's for all of five minutes and uh, at least amber's a disagreeable agreeable at least you can say well that she did something and kara i and again it was horrible writing for suicide squad so i can't hold right. that against her but yeah in the two categories of the best of the worst mm. jason and amber get best of the worst in, in my opinion <laughs> and then my second you know. question but thanks um... that terrible question too by the way it's a horrible <laughs> question <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you might get a little Fun. bit more value out of this question. From a filmmaking perspective, because if you don't know, Chris is an accomplished filmmaker. And he, oh. um, so I, I'd like to ask you about why do you think this uh, CGI filter or whatever was put on there, how it could have um, been improved, and what kind of benefits and drawbacks come from filming and editing it this way? Well, the, obviously, because they had they had to tell the story obviously for for the reasons of the story to be underwater so there was mm -hmm. they had to come up with a way to kind of realistically show that but at the same time have some of the the panache that that the the superhero kind of film is is known for and i think when they create the water bubble right or the air bubble that and then they threw that dialogue in there where the upper beams can breathe air that's like okay and uh <laughs> i think when they did that it was their cheap way of saying People are going to get tired of this, and they knew that, so they had to find ways around it. So, so I just don't know how they could have gotten away with it, or how they got away with it for such a sustained time. They really painted themselves in a corner with the story, but that's the story. Like right. that—that's—that's that's the story. We've seen people do it in space, like with gravity. Gravity is a, a mm -hmm. wonderful example of how a film can be exceptionally cinematic that's set in space. Um, they they had to use a filter. They had to do some of those things, things to accomplish that. But because this is really the first film that's dominantly underwater with dialogue and action and set pieces, like how how do they do that? And and well, I don't think they did it great or even good for that point. It's step one in probably a fifty step process. When you get to step fifty one, oh now it looks good. We figured this out, you know. So. It was going to mm -hmm. be difficult for, for anybody. And I can't fault James and the production team for not coming up with a better solution. It's just, this is the best of the worst that we got. So right, that's it. Yeah. 
Now, I know Andrew's chomping at the bit to talk about this cast. So, Andrew, how do you how do you feel about this cast? How do you feel about how they were presented? And talk about your favorite actors in this cast. God, like <laughs> Oh, man. First up, I want to say what a waste of Willem Dafoe. What an absolute waste. Yeah. Like, you don't think you don't think that his Oscar-worthy performance as Volko was a good use of Willem Dafoe? I couldn't even remember the character's name. There is not a <laughs> single time where I believe anybody in this movie. There's not a single time because, like, everybody is so low energy. Everybody, including Willem, Willem Dafoe. And how the fuck do you get it that Willem Dafoe, the most, one of the most energetic actors that we have, is so low energy in when you're giving him a big fat check that he can't even fake it. Like, that's what boggles my mind. This is how bad this movie is. Not a single person's bringing their A game. Also, I've never experienced a movie where more people were mumbling and grunting. I couldn't understand a goddamn person. And that includes most of the main cast. As soon as they brought in um, Dolph Lundgren, I was like, oh, no. This is going to be nothing but people grunting and mumbling. That's all Jason Momoa did. It was just... And then Willem Dafoe... Exactly. And then fucking Dolph Lundgren comes in and it's just... And I'm just like... I'm I'm turning up my my TV just like... I'm already at 50 out of 100. This is far too much. And I still have no idea what you people are talking about. And, like, I, I will agree with you, Eric. Like, those two in the beginning, even though Nicole Kidman is trying to make a facial expression, she's really not accomplishing it. Like, <laughs> all those years of plastic surgery have not helped her, her in the least bit. And it's very apparent in this movie. Amber Heard is just awful. Like, I don't know, awful. like, what yeah. direction they gave her. But, like, I, it, it's, yeah, there's no chemistry b- b- between her and Jason Momoa. Which is kind of disappointing because if they had gotten Amelia Clark in on this bit, it could have been oh. something. Game Imagine of Thrones. That. Exactly. Exactly. Game of Thrones under the sea. Would have been dope. Except oddly enough, the, the roles would have been reversed, which would have been even better. Yep. And like, yeah, such a waste of like one of my favorite actors of all time. Jason Momoa is just dumb like what pisses me off too is his tattoos mean absolutely nothing and make no sense now. <laughs> like, it's just a dude with tattoos when before I was like, oh, this is going to lead into Aquaman, right? This is going to be in Atlantis. This is going to be really, really cool. Well, and now it's just like, no, he just got them at one night or something. Who knows? Well, and, and I think for for me, like, with people who have, like, a Pacific Islander background, whether it's Maori, whether it's Samoan, Filipino, however, um, Tattoos are very significant, and with him being raised by a by his father Tamura Morrison, also known as Arthur Curry, I guess, but I think Tamura Morrison is a better name. Um, it makes sense that he would, you know, kind of follow in that um, that uh, that I don't know what the word is that tradition. But again, I I absolutely agree with you in that it's a missed opportunity for it to be like Atlantis full of these people who look just like Jason Momoa and being able to build out like that's kind of what they did with Wonder Woman. You know, Wonder Woman before um before Gal Gadot did not have an Israeli accent. But afterwards, when we get to the Wonder Woman film, all of the Amazons have an Israeli accent. And I think for 
you know, a broad appeal as well as representation, I think that's good. And I think that's, you know, we talked about it last episode, why the version of Barry Allen that they decided, you know, couldn't have been an actor of color or couldn't have been any of this other stuff because having an Atlantis that is based around Maori or Pacific Islander culture would be so interesting and something we haven't seen before. But we get to Atlantis and everybody's exactly how you expected Aquaman to look. Like, I look at Patrick Wilson and I'm like, oh, wait, that's Aquaman. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and it's like, it's it's so weird how they missed something that seems so obvious. Completely. Well, I think, that, and again, I think they tried to shoehorn in, because you're right, I like the idea of it, but they really kind of could have used it differently. Um, but that's a great point. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation later about, with you guys, see if there's a superhero that we could gender swap. I love the idea of gender swapping or or nationality changing. I, I love to talk about if if we're ready for that or not. I think it's interesting, just at least a conversation. Um but mm. but I'm a huge. If you guys didn't know, I'm a huge Atlantis nerd, big time. Like what? when something comes out about, yeah. Like I've got books about it. I've got uh, illustrations about it. My, you know, I, I tried to write a novel out of high school about it. So when I, I I am drawn to things that talk about Atlantis to see how kind of if they line up with, you know, when Plato first mentioned it and if it was their take on it. And during the flashback scene that I believe I forget if it's Amber or William talking about it and they're describing it and we're kind of coming in and, and, and you see it. It's, it's very similar to what Plato had described. You know, they talk about the technology and whatnot, but what I, I don't think they could have used, I think again, Jason Momo was bad casting for that because traditionally again, outside of source material, Atlantis is widely considered in, in, in the Atlantic between, I believe it's, the eu and i think florida and so in that window there's that continent so there's a different species a different type of look of an individual so the casting of a pacific of a pacific islander type of dude and again i understand the argument for it i get that it, it uh if they were relying so heavily on the source material which it looked like they did to cast the dude who looks like the literal black sheep it, i don't know if that worked and it, i it wasn't because of his acting chops. I think we can all agree on that. I think it was maybe because of marketability, because of how maybe similar they wanted it to be to Call Drogo. I don't know that, but I feel like this is the biggest casting issue that I have with Aquaman. And, and, and in this film, maybe not so much in Justice League, because we have no basis for where Atlantis is, was, and comparisons other than Amber Heard to what the Atlanteans look like. So now that we do, to put Jason Momoa, who's a direct descendant from Atlanta, next to other Atlanteans, it's like, which one of these doesn't belong type of thing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, it just didn't vibe out for me in that in that aspect. And of course, his, we've spoken in length, and we will, about his acting ability as well. So, <laughs> But he looks like a cool dude. He looks like the kind of guy that we could have a beer with, throw Absolutely. some axes. You know, he, you know, and, and this just, you know, I don't know. Well, and it's so interesting because, like, and we touched on the last episode about the idea of Jason Momoa versus Arthur Curry. Like, what sets them apart? What makes them different? Why isn't there some kind of connection to this? Um, 
the idea that Jason Momoa, in the same way I think as certain actors with their roles, kind of made the role his own. No one will look at this version of Aquaman and be like, anybody else could have played this. This is so distinctly Jason Momoa. And in that respect, I can say, okay, he's put a stamp on the character. I respect that. As a performer, when you go out to play a character who has a history behind him, what your goal is is to put a stamp on that character so that people don't forget it. This version of Aquaman is now going to be the mainstream, widely accepted version of Aquaman, which in some aspects is cool. Some aspects, not so much. Um, In the comics, specifically, Aquaman is still a blonde-haired, blue-eyed guy, but they have slowly made him grow his beard out, grow his hair out. He's gotten Maori tattoos. Um, So he's basically now the Jason Momoa Aquaman, just blonde. And it's weird that they have to make that disconnect and they have to make this so focused on fitting Jason Momoa rather than fitting Aquaman. And to me, this character, Jason Momoa as a person, is not a good fit for Aquaman as an actor. Now, there are characters that he would fit much better. The character that is always tossed around for him is Lobo, who he would have played absolutely to a T. Lobo, for those of you who don't know, Chris, I don't know if you're familiar with the character or not. I have no idea. He's essentially this um, intergalactic bounty hunter who is known for um, just having a bad attitude, riding his you know intergalactic motorcycle and just being a badass guy and he has that exact same jason momoa energy with him in every appearance he's ever made um there's also two other names that i want to throw out that might not be so familiar to you andrew but i think or to you chris but andrew i think might know a a little bit better um i think he would have been a really interesting um race bent version of guy gardner his energy is very similar it would have been he's a Guy Gardner is a Green Lantern. He's one of the many Green Lanterns. And he's always known as kind of the problem child Green Lantern, who's just a dick all the time. He has his, he goes <laughs> his own way. He does things his own thing. His famous image is of him using his ring to make a giant green middle finger. And it's like, he's a badass cocky guy. And the thing about it when I was thinking about this... Because I also think he could have made an incredible Hawkman with the savagery, the physicality that he has, the fact that Aquaman has this giant spiked mace that he can charge up and use to devastating effect. I started thinking about what impact does Aquaman have on the film that he made his debut in, specifically Justice League. There's nothing Atlantis-specific about Aquaman that utilizes his abilities in the climax of that film because he is just a super tough guy who has a trident and can jump around and get hit a bunch you can say that about any of these three characters lobo guy gardner hawkman and it would not change a single thing you i know there's the whole thing about the mother one of the mother boxes was in atlantis you could easily make that thanagar you could easily make that you know lobo comes into possession of it through a job and it's like i get it again with like we talked about last episode um you want to get a name on there like the flash like aquaman but jason momoa is such a weird disconnect from who um from who aquaman is that it's like casting rain wilson as superman as much as i would love to see that and it would be incredible (laughs) to see dwight from the office be superman 
he would make a great Clark Kent, I think, and has made a great Lex Luthor in animated form. It's just like, where are you getting this from? Where Show me why you think this character would be a good fit for this actor. And I just don't think that it, it's this idea of, um, I, I just don't see it. And while, again, yeah. he has made the character his own, it feels like he's doing it in a way that it's not trying to up the stock of Aquaman. It's trying to up the stock of Jason Momoa. Have uh, You guys have both seen The Boys on Amazon, right? Yes. So The Deep, to me, mm-hmm. looks more in line how an Aquaman would look. Chase Crawford, like absolutely. Deep, yeah. yeah. I would have casted him as Arthur Curry. He's, he would have fit perfectly. And he does in The Boys, absolutely, as this fucked up version he, he of, totally of Aquaman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think, yeah. you know, the, even with, like, obviously the TV budget of, like, his costume, his abilities, like, that version of Aquaman, you know, squares with me for some reason so much better than this version does. And I exactly. don't know. Exactly, yeah. For me, if they're, if that's just, like, some weird example of cognitive dissonance, but, like, I just, I don't... It doesn't connect, and when I'm watching him, I don't see Aquaman in the same way that you would see, like, Hugh Jackman and be like, that's Wolverine. Or you see Robert Downey Jr. and be like, that's Iron Man. Both of those actors took roles that were vastly different before and after they took the role, but they still inhabited the spirit of that character. And I don't think that Jason Momoa does that with Aquaman. I agree. Now, when it comes to the actual film outside of the performances, the film itself is stunning, I think, for a lot of the CGI, the heavy CGI that's involved. The idea from James Wan to really use utilize this movie to build out a world is really well done. James Wan is really great at world building and using characters and locations and concepts to flesh out a world for these characters to inhabit. Um... Chris mentioned it earlier, the trench. The trench were not really, you know, a heavily um, utilized concept in the comics. They made their debut in the New 52 Aquaman run, which is stellar and fantastic. And you want to know how to really tell great Aquaman stories, read that. Um, But James Wan did kind of touch on his horror sensibilities to bring the trench to life in a pretty visually stunning exchange he also the action scenes are actually really interesting to watch because he doesn't stick to the shaky cam like oh we gotta get in and make a million cuts for one punch they're sweeping like arced around shots of these battles the whole um atlanta versus the soldiers fight is basically in a one cut like fight throughout arthur's house and it's like you know disregarding the uh, the fact that all of them are very heavily cgi'd there's certain moments where it's like where mara is fighting with one of the um one of the atlantis soldiers and then it just kind of like zooms out from her across this italian village and then like you see across town that arthur is dealing with them i like shit like that it gives it scope it gives us a sense of okay this is the space that they're inhabiting and it allows us to know you know, where everybody is in relation to each other. Um, That being said, James Wan is very clearly more, um, has more experience with smaller concepts, with more focused, you know, 
horror genre aside, he has a focus with, I have this number of concepts that I can play with, and everything outside of that we can kind of leave to your imagination or allude to. With something like this, there is a lot of exposition involved, and there is a <laughs> lot of exposition delivered, mostly by Mara, unfortunately. And it's so... Why, well, Mara and the best character in the film, Volko. Um, the amount of exposition in this film is ridiculous. And I get it. It's an origin film, sort of. And you're trying to like get all these concepts across. But one of the things that I think that Wonder Woman did really well comparatively to this was establish, okay, you get all the basic ideas about what Paradise Island is, so you understand why, Di- why it matters that Diana's leaving. For me, there was never a point where I was like, okay, why does Arthur care about saving Atlantis? Why does Arthur want to involve himself in this conflict between, you know, um, Ocean Master trying to wage war on the surface world? This version of Aquaman, this version of Arthur, wouldn't give two shits about it. He'd be like, as long as I can be in, you know, a bar with my dad and drink with these biker guys, like... I'm cool. I don't care about all this stuff. So it's like, again, for me, there's a lot of um, stuff that doesn't exactly match up with the amount of exposition that we need to get versus the character uh, motivations. I completely agree. There's a lot of weird choices for locations in this movie. And like none of them really work for me. I like Italy, especially I thought was just like, and now we're in Italy for some reason. (laughs) And okay, I, I get it. Like in that you know, like how Chris said in that, that's probably where Atlantis was more close to location. Why, why does that make sense? But then we're in a submarine with Black Manta, which there's so many storylines going on in this one movie. <laughs> and like they, they, none of them fit together or when the Sahara desert for some reason. And, and that makes no sense. But then like the most that is really infuriating is that we have a lighthouse established area in maine in the <laughs> northern east coast of all places we couldn't get that in hawaii the idea that <laughs> little arthur was growing up with a bunch of people go oh oh arthur did you see that that wiki it sucks gay aim oh, they got a real double hitter there yeah that's so wicked awesome it's so freaking weird that's such a weird idea though i would love to see jason momoa with that accent and they, and they could have missed. They really missed the boat on casting Mark Wahlberg as our as Tom Curry to really drive that point home. Hey, how's it going? I'm Aquaman. Is this great? I'm Mocky Mock. Anyway, like, like there's like there's so much weird weird decisions in this movie. And like I wish I could have enjoyed Atlantis because the actual little bit that they showed and the visualization that that we got was actually very interesting. And it had almost kind of like this underwater avatar feel to it. And I kind of wanted more there. And I was kind of just like, okay, so Atlantis is a little racist and it's a little (laughs) high technology. I I w- I'm down for that. I I would be okay for that. Cool, cool, cool. Oh, oh, we're gonna talk talk about environmental issues. Okay, weird, really, really weird, weird. Oh, we're gonna talk about like fucking black man is in this now. Now, when really he should have gotten a whole movie by himself. Okay, cool, cool, cool. The trench is in this for some reason. They're just kind of there, and then we have a kraken, which w- w- the center of the earth. We are in the center of the earth. And it is like 
it's it's yeah like it is it is so jarbled and such a mess and goes from like one to the other and like in not a cohesive way that like it it never helps with the narrative and it never helps really concrete the story it just muddles things and make it makes it too soupy yeah absolutely agree now when it comes to these multiple storylines chris from a screenwriting perspective how do you think they could have improved on this? How do you think they could have, like, what would you have cut out to make the, mm-hmm. make the streamline a little bit more and flow a little bit better? Well, I get why they did the different locations. I mean, they wanted to raise the production value. I mean, honestly, you have the juxtaposition of being underwater to the Sahara, mm-hmm. which also there is, there is the inklings of that there have been Atlantis outposts in, in the Sahara because there's oh, interesting. the whole, uh, the, yeah, there's there's a theory, actually, it's a very popular theory that even Einstein agrees with it, and it's the crest Earth crest displacement theory, where the outside of the the outside of the Earth is like an orange, and you kind of shake it. So at one point the North Pole was no, at one point America was the North Pole, and Antarctica was the center of the equator. So at one point there was water. That's why you'll hear all the time about scientists finding fish bones and plesiosaur bones in like Sahara or desert dense regions because at one point in time it was widely accepted that there was there was water there so that's part of it so they, they really kind of played into the lore a little bit which I which I enjoy I think that's cool uh, but you know for me the story I don't necessarily mind that it globe hops that's okay I just I it's it's the basic issue of not really caring about your characters I mean, that's it. I mean, we've seen plenty of stories where we've had two characters locked with each other that have to make, you know, multiple stops in different parts of the globe. And we're on board for that because I think we care about those characters. We care about the situation and we've, we've got an emotional attachment to them. And because we just did it, the two people that we're saddled with are the two least chem- <laughs> They have no catalytic chemistry between them at all. So we're just kind of there. We're, we're just kind of thinking fuck let's just get through this like like what you had said you know i just want to get through this so that way i don't have to talk about it or watch it again so it's not so much that i would have cut stuff out i really would have tried to refine probably the casting process but then the writing process you just never care about these characters at all and let's and just jumping to the kiss at the end that felt so out of place so forced just yeah oh my right like they barely like each other like <laughs> exactly it's like where the fuck who the fuck wrote this so i think that's my biggest problem with this and again i i will always go back to bad writing i look at it and like if you you can have a movie take place and look saw is a really good example so for the most part takes place in one room which by the way james wan and lee winnell um you know they co-wrote and directed that and it was great because it was written well. It was smart. This is neither of those things. So even though it has a budget of bah, 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 $200 million, it's like you don't ever care. So what's the point of it? You may as well throw that money away and burn it. You know? Though I, I, don't know. I think they used most of that money to uh, to license that Pitbull song. I just have it in yeah. my notes. That's I don't even know thing. where. I don't even I don't even remember where it was, but I just have in my notes in all caps Pitbull question mark. Right. It was I don't the beginning of the Sahara the Sahara. The Sahara part. Yeah, That's when right. They were coming the out of the beach, right? Yeah. And then it's like only like 10 seconds of the song and that's... Yeah. I was like, what is yeah. this doing here? 
but i yeah. i agree you know it's it's a forced love story there's no chemistry they would have been better off just setting them both as like okay aquaman has to deal with black manta mara has to deal with ocean master in the idea that they were betrothed to each other and she is basically the center of this resistance against him um also i have to, i have to touch on this we talked about the awful acting before there is a scene where young arthur is training with willem dafoe and it oh, is this yes this <laughs> young actor there's no i don't know him as a person i'm sure he's lovely but his performance is so bad we talk about bad line readings andrew talked about what he thinks is the worst line reading in the uh, history of this franchise last episode during justice league i would contest that this line reading from this kid where volko has just basically off screen told him that his mother was essentially executed and he's like so you're saying she was executed for having me and it's so bad i i literally had to put my hands over my eyes i cringed so hard at this line reading it's bad it's really bad and like chris said like it, it comes down a lot to the writing the writing is just poor the and we've talked about this you know in other episodes that maybe they felt like they were hamstrung they had to have these characters they had to have these locations but you're writing the damn thing like it's a fictional yeah. story in a fictional universe write yourself out of it write these characters out yeah. of it ocean master as good as patrick wilson is and as cool of a design as he had in this movie didn't need to be the main villain he could have been this like from the shadows like oh like feigning sympathy and make black manta your lead because yaya abdul mateen is a fantastic actor and like chris said like i was way more invested in the black manta stuff than i was in the ocean master stuff you know he gets his own little you know tony stark building this in a cave with a box of scraps with the like atlantean tech where he has to like he finds out that he has to make his helmet absurdly big to control the (laughs) uh the energy levels i love shit like that because black manta's design is fucking ridiculous it doesn't make any sense but they played it for laughs in this movie and i like that they gave a little knowing wink and a nod and at the end of it when he shows up for that italy fight scene he looks great he looks really good and i like you know that we can build off of him we can build off of like obviously he is going to be a villain in an aquaman sequel which is still slated for december of 2022 I just, I was way more interested and invested in him than I ever was in the Orm subplot. And overall, that really makes some of, even some of the scenes that I enjoy suffer. I really like, if we talk about, you know, favorite scenes or favorite moments, and there are so few. Um, I already talked about the opening. I already talked about the Black Manda stuff. Uh, the Ring of Fire, the initial fight between Arthur and Orm in the little gladiator stadium, I thought was really well handled for like, a, this is your first taste of the, you know, social hierarchy of Atlantis. Orm is basically given this, 
this status because he's a charismatic leader despite him being just a spineless prick like him being this like leader who's like calling to action makes sense why people would follow him we talked about the italian village fight that i liked but my favorite moment i have to talk about this my favorite moment in the entire film is during the final battle where aquaman literally rides a seahorse into battle (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Aquaman and the seahorses have had a long-standing history ever since the advent of the Super Friends cartoon. And for me, getting to see a live-action Aquaman in the gaudy orange and green costume that he has, riding a seahorse into battle, 10 out of 10. Easily for me. It's so dumb, but it works so well. Yeah. Are there any redeeming qualities, Andrew, that you find in this film? Any favorite moments, favorite performances? Performances, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Um, (laughs) The only thing that I actually did enjoy from this movie, and that I actually think they worked really well and wrapped up really well, was establishing how Arthur is different from the rest of the Atlanteans and that he can talk to fish only himself. I really enjoyed that. And it was until we got to that moment at the ver- at sort of the end where he's getting the trident and he's getting the armor and he's getting the suit, which is a terrible suit, but I don't like Aquaman's basic. But it's so comic accurate. I, it, it doesn't matter. It's a terrible design <laughs> through and through. Orange and green do not work well together. Um, and, and that's just, there's a, there's a lot of terrible suits in this. There are so many moments where I was just like, go, go Power Rangers. And like, do, 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 uh, do. but that moment where he's talking to the Kraken or Keratin or whatever the fuck it's called, it's a Kraken. Like, let's just be real. Like, that was a, actually rather clever. And that made me go, oh, this is why you're worthy is because you have a connection to the ocean that even people who live there don't have. I really wish this could have been played on and was a bigger plot point than being so thrown away in the earlier scenes because this could have been something so different. I really kind of wish that we had gotten the racism uh, storyline aspects like that was bigger and more broad mm-hmm. to kind of show, oh, this half-breed and this mixed-race individual actually has a better c- connection to the earth and to the water or that you claim to be from. And that would have made that whole scene better. Other than that, like there is... This this movie gave me so many headaches, like the turning and the circular route. There's seven explosions in this movie. There are seven <laughs> explosions in this movie. Hey. Michael Bay would be proud. Seriously, like it, I when I saw like I'm just like, and we're up to five. Oh, that's right. You made a Fast and Furious movie, and you were going the high off that. I'm just like, well, we need mm-hmm. James Wan, Fast and Furious alumni. There he goes. <laughs> Knows how to work with an ensemble cast, do action, and make explosions. And yet, here we are. And we'll be talking about all Fast and the Furious movies in our next Geek Explained Extra series. Oh, but, like, that that's it for me. I, I really, there's not a lot that I like about this movie. Like, there really isn't. Quick note, did you know the Kraken was voiced by Judy Dench? No. Dame no. Judy Dench offered her voice. <laughs> For the Kraken in this film. Ah, that makes so much sense. Because I remember hearing it just like, that's what you go with? That's the voice of this creature you're going to choose? Who thought this was okay? 
Who thought this was okay? Get me Ron Perlman, for Christ's sake. Hey, and Judy Dench got her money. Yeah. Yeah. I respect the hustle. She got a clean 10 Gs. Can't blame her. Mm-hmm. Chris, any favorite moments or performances, even if they're bad? Not, I, I don't know about, perf- definitely not performances. I'm with Andrew on that one. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that there's I a lot. That. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't. I will say that this one, I, I think, has the best ending, like battle sequence of the films we've done so far. Man is still, maybe, that still might be my favorite. I still really enjoy Michael Shannon and, and Henry Cavill in that ending of Man is Still. But the battle sequence here, which ironically enough, has zero or very little had in uh with Momoa he you know we're just kind of getting it's it's a it's it's, it's a gigantic it's a war, war piece right yeah. right we're jumping from thing and we're doing these underwater creatures when these crabs and these plesiosaurs and it just looks cool it tonally it's I have a real problem with the tone of the film too it's like it's nothing like Man of Steel it's nothing like Batman versus Superman it's it's a little like Suicide Squad but not much it's nothing like Wonder Woman you know it's just it just it feels so out of place and this is supposed to be part of another piece this is supposed to exist in the same universe as these other films and um no I think what I enjoyed most about the film was the was was the end battle I really enjoyed that I thought that was cool but um and I don't mean the end battle between Patrick Wilson and, and Jason. I don't mean that one. I mean the one that takes place underwater where we kind of see all these creatures going. And, and, and it, it is a CG spectacle, which has kind of been the norm with these films. But it, it works for me. It's a lot prettier. Me. You know, it works for me. It, yeah. It's not in Definitely a the... rainy city at nighttime. And you under, and at least the at least the non understanding of the geography makes sense. You're in <laughs> yes. an ocean, you know. You get it. it, it mm-hmm. Okay, cool. We can kind of yeah, but yeah, it's it's hard to find a lot to like about this. Yeah. Well, at least one person did find something to like about it because this film, just like the previous film, won one award. One award was taken home by Aquaman, and that was from the Chinese American Film Festival. And the award was Most Popular U.S. Film in China. Huh. Oh, really? Applause for Aquaman. Interesting. Interesting. But who cares about awards when you can take a wrong turn down Crime Alley, stroll your way through Themyscira, dive right into Atlantis, and find yourself at Chris's Number Corner. (laughs) (laughs) So Chris, talk talk to us about the budget. Talk to us about how much ridiculous money this made. um, And any other fun numbers, and also critic ratings. Yeah. I think the biggest part of it, and and Andrew mentioned it in the very beginning, this film grossed over a billion dollars, one point one billion dollars, which wild. Yeah, I mean, it's hard. You'd have to take almost three other films in this universe to make that amount. And so we've shit on this movie a lot, right? From the acting, from 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 the direction, from the writing. But but this is by far the most lucrative film that they've made. And and here's part the biggest reason why is this. This opened in China. So it mm-hmm. opened in China two weeks ahead of, of the States. Opened on December seventh 
in China, and on opening weekend, it grossed $93.6 million, so $94 million. The budget for this film was $200 million. So before wow. it even opened in the States, it basically got half of its budget recouped. So it was in good shape for that. So it was destined to make a shit ton of money to begin with. Um, made it, you know, the Warner Brothers made it for $200 million. Half of that in China the first weekend. Opening weekend in the States, it got 67. So at that point in time, because of two weekends it being open, I mean, three weekends now in China, mm-hmm. it had already made its budget back. So once it got to the States, it was all, at this point, it, you're playing with house money. Yeah. Yeah, everything we're getting is profit. So worldwide, it, it made $813 million worldwide. So if it never opened which is crazy because if you think about it if it never opened in the states if it didn't run all the advertisements if it didn't do anything here it would have quadrupled its budget so it was going to make it no matter what here in the states it got 335 million so 1.1 b and then you know it's just it's it's interesting the dynamic because it's funny that award they got there were some other films that ran in 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 china in 2018 that were actually quite big the meg was one that opened in china (laughs) i forgot about the meg yeah and and so and so i don't i can i'd pull that number i'm not gonna do that now uh pacific rim uprising that opened in china that year uh christopher robin opened in i think it was they saying it was opening in china so there were films american films that opened in china and, and, and that that's a huge addition to that that budget to get some of that money back. So, but so critically, um, so it doesn't matter at this point, right? If you if you're if you're an executive at Warner's and we just made four times our money back, who gives a fuck what people say about it at this point? But because you know, because we're artists, we care. So, Rotten it's got it sixty five for the critics, um, which is second highest. It's only behind a Wonder Woman for critical acclaim in the DCEU. Wonder Woman was at 92, Aquaman's at 65. And after that, there's the next best one is Man of Steel at 55. Whoa. So there's a big drop between one and two and two and three. Mm-hmm. Audience, 74%. That's third. Um, Wonder Woman is, is, is at 88, and Man of Steel is 75. So. No, Wonder what what Man what's what's the title of that movie? Man Man versus Steel. <laughs> Man versus Steel. <laughs> That's the real Boah. movie people want to see. Boah. <laughs> um Metacritic, it's second. It's t- actually tied with Man of Steel at 55. Um of course Wonder Woman at 76 is gonna be at the top of everything except the money. You know, it's in and it's hard for me to fathom the fact that for all these deficiencies and, and we're not the only ones that saw it, you know, P, other people have looked at Aquaman and just saying that it doesn't fit, especially with the talents on the acting pool, the direction. And, but for it to make $1.1 billion in the end, that's, that's it. I mean, what, what, what other metric is there other than money when it comes to a studio? Yeah, that's true. It, it made a whole lot of money. That's why it's getting a sequel. That's why, they keep showing it in all the advertisements for the DCEU, for any DC film. Um, it is, as it stands, the most successful DC film they've ever put out when it comes to live action. And that's wild, because this is not a good movie. <laughs> yeah, well, Donald Trump is president, so oh, I think that's the kind of world that we live in, no matter what. 
Welcome to Andrew's Hot Political Takes, Andrew's Political <laughs> Corner. I'll say um, it. This is a weird-ass <laughs> dimension we live in. But as we're wrapping up here, um, we have made a hell of a journey from Planet Krypton down to Atlantis. Um, as we're uh, thinking about it, as we're wrapping up, j- jumping from all of these different movies that we've had so far. What are your final thoughts and give us your arbitrary geek explained rating for this film. Andrew, I'm going to start with you because last week you refused to give a rating to <laughs> last episode's focus, which was justice league. Did Aquaman make it into the ratings? It did. And I still stand by my not rating justice league. I will stand by until the end of my, my Um, I uh, it, like this. This movie is bad. It's not harmful. It's not malicious. It's it it does it, do, it literally did make me nauseous at one point. But that's more just like camera angles and things like that. But I would give it like I'd say it a three out of ten. Like I, like again, like it's like it's 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 just it's just a bad movie. Like it's filled with CGI. It's filled with actors I don't believe. It's filled with good actors who I want to believe but don't. It's filled with a plot line that I can't follow. It's got too many things going on. It's filled with exposition that doesn't have follow-through into it. It's got some designs that really work really well, but others that really don't. And it's got a lot of missed opportunity and a lot of a lot of things that I wish I could have gone. Man, I wish I could have just thought you were okay. Like, if you were just okay, I would have forgiven you. But like I just I just can't like this movie. It's just not it, it it's it's not a bad time. It's not a good time. It it is just what it is, and that's all I got for it. Like I I've, I've got nothing else I can say about it. Chris. Yeah, I mean I I'm gonna be a little more generous and give it maybe five out of ten, because I think that you're I I, I tend to agree with what Andrew is saying where it's it's not. I want to believe certain characters. I don't. I think some of the actors. I, again, I love Black Manta's character. His that actor, he's a rising star in in so good. Watchmen. Everything he's in, uh, right, right. He's 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 wonderful, and it just really the CGI really hampers it. And I think that they that they had to make it with CGI. So there's really no. This is the you know this is the hand you're dealt type of thing, and so. There's another film, Underwater. It's a sci-fi horror film. They shot everything in underwater, um, dry for wet. So oh, wow. it was, it, yeah. The d- d- describe is, what is that uh, what that term means, just for listeners who don't know. Yeah. So what it is is you can actually fake that uh, the smoke and mirrors and Hollywood magic and, <laughs> and whatnot. So what they did was they got this big warehouse and they blocked all the windows and they created a set that looks like the bottom of the ocean and so. They, they made the actors move a little bit slower and they shot them in a higher frame rate to slow it down. You can do that when you shoot faster. It's easier to slow down, which makes no sense, but that's how they do it. <laughs> and then they added everything in and they, and they added everything in, in post. So it looks like these people are underwater, but realistically, they're shooting in the soundstage. They, they don't even have the visors on for their helmets. They add all of this in post. So if a, if a, a film like Underwater, which is budget, was probably let's say between 50 and 70 million probably less and a budget for aquaman that had 200 million again i understand that they had to shoot this underwater but i think that there were better ways to show that with these talented actors i mean they have this 
stupid CGI filter on them that just makes them look video game-ish. And I love video games. So from, you know, it's just one of those things where it just didn't work. You know, it just didn't work for me at all. And I think that the inclusion of James Wan in this universe is a big step forward. I think that with him, I would love to see James Wan direct a Batman movie with a dark grittiness to it. I think, yeah, that'd be cool. You know, I think Touching on like the horror aspects, making him kind of terrifying. Exactly. Right. Let's let's gritty it up. Let's dirty it up a little bit. Let's take away some of the glam and the gleam and the Ooh. bright lights. And let's, let's you know. A Batman so, versus Scarecrow movie would be really interesting with James Wan with all the hallucinations. Awesome. Or yeah, even, yeah. Um, what's his name? Uh, the Mad Hatter would work yes, really, really well. That would be really for horror. Cool. Yeah. Super, I would love to see. Cool. I would love to see his take on Constantine or the dark cool yeah. DCU. Yeah. yeah. Bring Keanu back. I'm yeah. game for that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm a Matt Ryan guy. I'm a Matt Ryan guy when it comes to Constantine. But word is that he's getting, uh, they're doing a Justice League Dark, aren't they? And I, they I heard that they're bringing Constantine into that fold. They are. Right? They they haven't really made a decision on whether they want what Constantine they want to use. Um, Keanu obviously is the most high profile, but Matt Ryan has kind of embodied the character for the last like five six years. So it or they might you know just cast somebody else, somebody new. Um, Right now, as it stands, J.J. Abrams is at the helm for Justice League Dark, which could be good. Could be good. He doesn't know how to work with ensembles. Um, but after Rise of Skywalker, we'll see. Exactly. Yeah, we'll see. But for this film, um, I tend to agree with both of you. I mean, this wasn't a film that made me angry. This wasn't a film that I just felt nothing for, like Justice League. I think there are some redeeming qualities in this. Um, but overall it was just, it's, it's a pretty movie. It's all flash little substance. And for me, it's not enough to make me want to rewatch it. And, uh, for that and all the reasons we talked about, um, I have to agree with Chris. Like I said, there are, uh, redeeming qualities for it. I probably give it a five out of 10. I think that's the most generous I can be. It might be a four depending on the day. But um, I'd I'd probably stick it out of five because I can't I can't say it's worse than Batman v Superman, I can't say it's worse than Suicide Squad, so again just my opinion. But um, as we kind of wrap up here, it has been a slog, gentlemen. These last couple movies, we hit a real nice peak with Wonder Woman. And then we slowly sank back into the depths of hell <laughs> with uh, Justice League and now um, Aquaman. However, next episode, I think, is going to be a turning point. Because next episode, we're diving into the adventures of Billy Batson and the Big Red Cheese with Captain Mar... I mean, Shazam! <laughs> Shazam is the next film we'll be tackling next episode, so tune in next time for that but for now for geek explain this is eric azana sandra kincaid and chris carter and we will see you next time all right my man Hey, how's it going? I'm Aquaman. Isn't this great? I'm Maki Mark. <laughs>